I'm not competing against the Yankees, okay? I mean, this is the Mets. We're going to create our own excitement. You know, I'm competing against, uh, you know, 29 other clubs in, in MLB, all right? So, uh, and, you know, I'm a very motivated, very proactive type of guy. I just don't sit back and just accept mediocrity. And so um, that, that's, you know, listen, you got to set goals. you got to set goals for the for the team, you got to set goals for the fans. You know, we should set high goals. You know, we shouldn't accept, you know, just making it to the playoffs. That's not good enough. Fellas, I could have cried during that press conference yesterday. That couldn't have gone. That couldn't have gone any better. Steve Cohen introducing himself to the Mets community. I mean, a tear was shed. That was the best press conference I think the Mets have ever had. It was honest. It was inspiring. It was it was entertaining, to say the least. It gave me hope as a Mets fan that this is the dawn of a new age, a new era. It gives me confidence that we are in the market for big-name players like Trevor Bauer like George Springer, like Francisco Lindor, like DJ LeMahieu. And, of course, I had to play that clip over other ones because I am joined with two Yankee fans in today's episode. Obviously, Max is with me every week, but our first guest in a while and a repeat guest, Tommy, thank you very much for joining us. Happy to be back. Yeah. Uh, You were great the first time around, and we had talked a little bit. We're actually going to be talking about Nordane football in just a little bit, but Tommy, all, all kidding aside, right? I, I am very excited for my Mets, but I want to hear your take briefly because Max hates talking about baseball, so obviously I want to talk about it as much as possible. Your Yankees came to a disappointing end against the Rays in Game 5 of the ALDS. What did you... Where do you think they go from here? What is their biggest issue heading into the offseason? To me, like it has been for the last couple of years, even though I'll be honest with you, Tommy, I said this at the time, and I forgot to mention this point, but really, Cole did his thing. The pitching did their thing in Game 4 and Game 5. It was the bats that kind of fell flat, right? It was. You're right. It was. Especially Cole, Cole pitched his ass off in Game 5, and... <clears throat> I've always been a big Jordan Montgomery fan. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a one or two in this league, but just kind of that back end starter that can hold down the fort, a uh, big lefty. And I mean, for me, like in the past before his surgery, like his rookie year was, he was always pitching for like the strikeout and his pitch count, his numbers would be so high going into the fifth or sixth innings and he would kill a bullpen because you'd have to pull him so early. But he, he pitched, he did his thing in game four. Cole got what he was paid to do in game five. For the Yankees, I do think they need – I do think another starter would help. But on the flip side, I mean, I'm, I I think Paxton Lynch has got to go. Jay Happ, thank God they didn't pick up that bums extension. But you're going to get Severino back. I'm not sure the situation on German, like what Cashman said, he, what happened was so egregious. But, you know, then he had no problem picking up roll this so those guys coming back will help i think one more starter and then you gotta you gotta figure out the catching situation you Mm -hmm. really do 
that's it's a huge question mark on that. Now, are you are you ready to write off Gary Sanchez or what? I don't know. I think I don't. I think Gary Sanchez honestly needs to get out of New York. I don't think he's this as bad of a catcher as he's been playing. I think he's in his own head. He just needs a change of scenery type of deal. I do think he's a starting catcher in this league. I think I've been a big Gary Sanchez truther ever since he came to the league. No matter what, I was ride or die with him until this year. He looked lazy behind the plate. Obviously, the bat wasn't there. And look, I'm not expecting the guy to hit 330 with 50 home runs. Hit 260, 25 plus home runs, and I can live with that. That for a catcher, I can eat, I will sleep like a baby knowing that that type of production is happening. But when you're hitting under, you're, if you're not hitting your own weight, which, you know, he's a big dude, so it is asking a lot, but he, he just looked lazy. He looked out of his element. I think he just needs to change the scenery, and the Yankees need to change something up back there. And I'm I'm sorry, Tommy, but, again, this goes back to a move that I always questioned, and I would always get a mixed reaction from more diehard Yankee fans, more fans that were caught up with them day by day. But I still never, to this day, I do not agree with their decision to part ways with Joe Girardi. I thought that he was a manager that always got the most out of his team. And I always thought that if there was a manager that could get the most out of Gary Sanchez, it would be Joe Girardi. Now, I'm not saying that Sanchez wasn't lazy under Girardi. However, I think that Girardi could have made him reach his potential and listen, say what you will about Boone. The Yankees have not gotten as far as they did with Joe Girardi in his last season. They have not gotten back to Game 7 of the ALCS. So, I, I, I don't know. Do, do you think that – do you still – how did you feel about that move? I know it's a couple years later, but do you still think that Boone is the right guy? There were reports about how Cashman was the one calling decisions this past season and Boone was just a puppet. What, what do you think about that? I actually kind of think there's some truth to the Cashman thing, just because there is no way Brett Gardner gets as much playing time as he did if if Aaron Boone's called no shots. Like, there's I, no way. Okay. Let me start on Brett Gardner. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Me, Max is, me and Max both cannot stand that guy. But and you know what it is, too, is we can even go back to this. In Cashman's eyes, he saw Brett Gardner was more valuable to that team than Austin Romine. Austin Romine was the perfect backup, not day-to-day catcher for the Yankees, but when he played, he was hitting over 300. He wasn't hitting as many home runs as Gary, but he was the more consistent, better defensive catcher, a guy who the locker room really respected. And don't get me wrong, Kyle Higashioka, he stepped up huge this year. No one would have expected that. But, again, Cashman was like, I'm going to pay Brett Gardner, give him a uh, one-year team option, and sorry, Romine, you're going to take a hike. Like that, that, that's a move that right there alone that makes me think that Cashman might have had some more influence in what was going on in the day to day operations than people want to think. Now, Tommy, I just want to go back on the brief point that you did mention about Sanchez. And I find it a little alarming because when you think about the Yankees, right? And again, I'm not saying that Sanchez isn't a big name on this team, but you talk about getting in his own head and not living up to expectations and everything. You know, you say the Yankees, and he's probably at 
at the highest, the fifth guy that I think about right off the bat because I think of Judge, I think about Stanton, I think about Luke Voigt, I think about LeMayhew, Ursula. Like, there are guys that I feel like garner more of the attention and would make Gary Sanchez's job that much easier. Now, again, I understand he is the man behind the plate. He is the one calling the pitches. He does have defensive issues. It's just that, like, if he isn't going to figure it out now where other pieces are able to pick him up, I don't know if there's going to be a time with the New York Yankees that he does turn around. And again, I guess maybe there is more focus on him with guys during points of the season with Stanton and Judge being out. But still, I just, like, I, I don't, I, I think I'm more on your side that Sanchez needs a change of scenery if he's ever going to turn this thing around. And it's it's weird, too, because you're right. We're like, he's not one of those big name guys that, like, he was, you know, two or three years ago. Exactly. It was him and Judge. Like, that was, that was going to be it. But, so... For me now, you would like you. You're exactly right. Where he should be getting easier. He's batting. He was batting eighth in the lineup. You know, 2016 Gary Sanchez is going to take a fastball inside and put it in left field mm-hmm. in 2016, 2017. What has happened in those three years? I have no idea. But it's it's not a good look. And I'll tell you this much: is you know. Thank God that Kyle Higashioka still has one last year on his contract because how much money you gave Garrett Cole, you have to keep Higashioka. And right now, you know, not that he's going to get cash in big on a market if he was a free agent. You know, no one wants a 31-year-old backup catcher, but he's Cole's guy. And that Cole is your big money shot right now. Whatever you do to make him happy, it's like it's like how we talk with the Nets, with uh, KD and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing to make your stars happy, you have to keep doing it. And the Yankees are honestly fortunate in that position. Agreed. Now, last question before we move on to some college football, Tommy. I saw a report today that I mentioned this a little earlier, but the Mets and Red Sox are very much interested in LeMayhew. How high of a priority is him on the Yankees' wish list? This offseason, he's got to be number one. Number one? Okay. He's got it just for this offseason. I know pitching, like I said, pitching should be a priority, yes. But like we have Severino coming back from Tommy John. He should be good to go in May. Gramont's suspension is over with. He should be good to go in spring training. Uh, Jordan Montgomery proved that he can serve the back end of that line, of that rotation. Garrett Cole, obviously your ace. You only need to fill one more spot there. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you lose DJ, you lose – a guy who plays, who can play second, short, first, even third. Not that he would ever start there, but he can play that position. And a guy who's hitting over 300 his entire time as a Yankee, hitting career high home run numbers. And you're you're a guy who is in the MVP race every year. Like he has to be the priority. And in all honesty, I don't blame him for turning down the qualifying offer. If I'm him, I'm gonna. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna lock this thing up. Before it gets to this point, I'm testing to see what else is out there. I do not blame DJ at all for whatever happens. He, if the Yankees lose him, though, I'll be I will be devastated, and it, it, I'll it'll just kill me. I've, I'm a huge. I said that I said that that off season that because that off season, uh, people were talking about other moves, like uh, Stanton was com- coming in off his second year, and I said DJ is going to be the guy. People don't think about it. I didn't think he was going to play as well as he would. 
I, I literally was telling, I think it might have even been you, Max. I said he's going to be the everyday guy that hits around 280, 290. He's not going to make a mistake in the field. He's going to fly under the radar. But because you're not talking about him would be a good thing type of player. Yeah. The, like those average players, as long as you're not talking about them, that means they're doing their job well enough to where you don't need to focus on them. But he's exceeded all my expectations, and I think he has to be back in pinstripes no matter what next year. Yeah, and and again, just to wrap everything up, whether LeMahieu goes to either New York teams, whether he ends up somewhere else, I'm just really excited because Cohen, Steve Cohen seems like he's being honest. It seems like he's all in with the Mets, and I would love nothing more than to get good baseball from both these teams and to – uh, again, I I know seriously that the Mets will always be in the Yankees' shadow, right? Historically wise, but give me some exciting baseball. Give me some rivalry, intense rivalry between these two teams. Let let them fight for the back pages of New York type of hey, things. I, I mean, right now you should be excited just with the fact that Stroman coming back. That uh, that man wrote off that entire team. And if the owner got him that excited to where he's not even going to negotiate, he's going to take the qualifying offer. Tommy, that, that, that's a huge Tommy. Sign. That's going to be a sign for other players to want to come in. Tom. I'm not a big Mets guy. The the year the Mets went to the World Series and they're like, oh, this is our city now. Really annoyed me. Kind of pissed me off. But if you're a Mets fan, you got to be excited. You, well, you can't not be. Well, Tommy, just to go off of that point real quick. First with Stroman. Uh, Tommy, I guarantee if the Wilpons were still owning this team, they would have never even made the offer, right? No, to- not, no shot. I mean, no, they probably would have because then you can then you at least get the offer or the if some other team signs him in that period, you get the extra draft pick. That's so true. Someone, they, they would have made the offer. Yeah, I don't know. 18-plus seems a little high for their budget because, you know, of their whole <laughs> Madoff scheme. But, Tommy, just to go off, this is my biggest fear, right? And you'll understand this because you're a Giants fan. Do you remember when the Jets made back-to-back AFC championships and you had Rex Ryan boasting and thinking he was the talk of the town and everything? And then um, in his third year with the team, the Giants beat the Jets on Christmas Eve – and then the Giants had the final laugh because that was their springboard for another Super Bowl championship run. Do you remember that? That's my biggest fear with the Mets and Yankees. Like, there's so much excitement about the Mets. And, again, I like to joke around and everything. But once you start taking shots at the Yankees, I, I feel like as the younger brother team, I feel like a team that isn't used to good things happening, it's always a dangerous thing to do type of thing. So I just hope that this excitement, this overconfidence doesn't blow up in our face. Because, I, again, looking back at Mets history, that's something that you would expect to follow. But, again, with the new owner, it seems like there is a culture change. It's not like the head coach and he just running his fat mouth. But, I mean, anyway... He- he also has to kind of say that, though. I mean, Sean Clifford literally just said that a couple of weeks ago at Penn State. He goes, I didn't come here to compete with Ohio State. I came here to beat Ohio State. Oh, exactly. They ended up getting run off the field that night. But, you know, you, you can't – you don't want to come in and be like, yeah, I hope we play well. I hope things go well. No, you, you have to say, no, we're going to win this game, and we have to be confident. That and also the man has the pockets to back up his talk. Because at the end of the day, the owner is the one that sets the payroll and everything. And he's like, listen, this is a big market team. They should spend like a big market team. And it reminded me very much of the Steve Ballmer effect. A true fan now owns the team. He's giving you 
excitement. And that's something that we never got from the Wilpons. It was always more of a business. It was always how they could make money or keep as much money as they could. It wasn't about the team first. From Cohen, at least, from his introductory press conference, you get that sense that things have changed. Yeah. Max. No, exactly. Max, is there anything you would like to jump on in terms of baseball, or can we move on to college football? Well, yeah, but knowing the Yankees, I'm sure they'll get Brett Gardner and let DJ walk, so probably. <laughs> okay. So, moving I'll be, on. I'll be picketing, I'll be picketing <laughs> outside of Yankee Stadium for Cashman's head if that happens. <laughs> All right. Moving on to college football, and Tommy, we have actually talked about this a little bit. We talked about yeah, it. I've been so excited to talk about Last this. week, and thankfully for us, it worked out. Notre Dame was probably their biggest win in years against number one ranked Clemson. It was the first time that they upset a number one team since 1993. And Florida State. Uh, Florida State, yes. And they won in overtime, double overtime, 47 to 40. Ian Book had one hell of a game, over 300 passing yards. He had a touchdown. Showed grit. Showed a lot of grit. He did. He did. He had a couple of late fourth-quarter overtime drives that, again, I feel that Nordame in the past, the past couple years, would not have accomplished. Kyron Williams, over 100 rushing yards on 23 carries. He had three touchdowns. McKinley, wide receiver, five receptions, over 100 receiving yards. I mean, Tommy, what did you make about this game? I'm very excited, but I I do have some things I want to say, but you go first. Well, first thing I got to say is honestly, thank God COVID's going on because me personally, what I would want to watch this game is I'd want to sit at a local small bar, like some dive bar at just there by myself, just sip a couple beers and, and but I was screaming and shouting at my TV every second that something was happening. So I would have been tossed out of anywhere, anytime during that game. For me, I, I, I thought it was a great game. Where Notre Dame struggled throughout most of it until fourth quarter and OT was they just couldn't find the end zone. You're having great drives, stalling out in the red zone and kicking field goals, which, you know, thank God they hit. But it was just the, the amount of grit and, like, drive that that team had, especially that last fourth quarter drive. And – any of you guys listening out there, my Twitter handle is at tmaney14. I'm private. If anybody requests a follow, I'm probably going to accept it. I'm still waiting for an explanation on why the refs picked up that pass interference call. Without Dabo screaming in the official's ear, I, I, I have gotten zero explanation on why that wasn't pass interference. Someone can explain it to me, show me the tape. I'm all ears. I, I want to know why it got picked up. I, I'm just asking the question. I couldn't tweet at the ACC. I was too jacked up at the time. But I, I, I physically, for the life of me, could not grasp that. But all in all, Ian Book played his ass off. The best game I've seen from a Notre Dame quarterback, arguably in my entire life. It was, it was, it was just a great moment. It felt good to beat a good team. I've, Notre Dame, for the past however many years, since 2012, realistically, they beat the teams they should. They lose to the teams they should. They never give you that great upset, like big victory that I've been waiting for for so long. And it just, it felt good. It just, it felt so good that night to, to be a good team. Well, Tommy, I agree with everything that you just said, and I'll take it a step further. You don't hear this often in college football because every game 
really is one because if you lose, unless you're an SEC team nowadays, chances of making the playoffs are slim to none. This was a must-win game for Notre Dame. because a must-win. Because, like you said, you take a look back, really since 2012, since that championship game where they got blown out by Alabama despite being the number one team in the nation. Take a look back at some of the close calls against teams like FSU, like Georgia. When Georgia went and played in the national championship, they lost by, what, one point that game? Exactly, yeah, yeah. I want to say it came down to a field goal or a missed field goal. I I, I, yeah. I kind of remember. I, I It was Jake Fromm's first start, too, at Notre Dame. It yeah. was his first career start, and then he led them to a national championship. And then you take a look back at more recently their playoff performance against Clemson. Uh, I forget what bowl exactly it was, but against Ohio State, they got blown out. The Fiesta Bowl in 2016. Yes, yes. New Year's Day. They they beat the teams that they should, right? But always. they're they've always been a tier below. This time mm-hmm. they get the big win. Here's what I don't love, Tommy. Right? Is I would have loved them to have won this game, maybe not handily, but in four quarters. And the only reason why I say that is because Trevor Lawrence was out. And they had a quarterback starting only his second game. And he was able to throw for over 400 passing yards. Had a couple of touchdowns, right? I don't know what would have happened if Trevor Lawrence was in the game. Now, again, you can't go back. You can't say what ifs, right? The only thing is I would have loved their defense to showing up a little more than they did. What I do love, though, is that their offense was able to show up against a very good Clemson defensive team. Okay, very good defense. they ranked. They ranked after their victory against Boston College. They were the number one scoring defense, only allowing just over twelve and a half points per game. They were second in total defense. They were second in tackles for loss. They were third in rushing defense and and third in fourth down defense. I mean, this is a good Clemson defense that they were able to move the ball on. And I think that should give you more confidence than anything else. I think that's the biggest takeaway you have to take from this victory over Clemson and give you confidence for the rest of the season. Now, again... There is no guarantee anything can happen any given Saturday in this case with college football. But I think that this was Brian Kelly's first win against an AP top five opponent. He was 0-6 heading into this game. You got to feel good after a win like this. Again, I'm nitpicking with Trevor Lawrence being out. I'm nitpicking with how much their defense, Notre Dame's defense, gave up. But this overall was a good win for that program. All right, Victor, here, here's where I'm going to disagree with you. Is okay. Yes, does, does Trevor Lawrence playing in this game make a di- big difference? Absolutely. The guy is going to be first overall pick in this year's NFL draft. He's the stud. He's got everything going for him. 100%. N- not that that doesn't make that, not that that doesn't mean something because it does. Since 2017, Clemson has had 13 five-star recruits. 39 four-star recruits on their defense they only had two five stars starting on offense but eight four stars starting on 
between the skill and the line. And on their defense, they had five five-star recruits starting on that team. Trevor Lawrence is a big deal. Yes, absolutely. But that team has the best talent in the entire country at every single other position on the field, realistically, with the exception of their linebackers. Their linebackers are two three-stars and a four-star. And one of them is Brett Venable's kid. So that's, of course, he's going to get playing time. In 2014, Ohio State won a national championship, won two playoff games, and their and the Big Ten championship game with a backup quarterback. Clemson, their first natty with Trevor Lawrence. He was a backup behind Kelly Bryant before he before he won that national championship game. DJ and Lugawale, however you say his last name, I'm sorry, I, I don't know how to pronounce. That is it. fun. I He's didn't even want to attempt. <laughs> He's a five-star recruit and was, according to 24-7 Sports, five-star recruit and the number one ranked pro-style quarterback coming out of this draft. It's not like they were starting Dan Smith, BYU, out there at quarterback. They were starting a legit five-star. Travis Etienne, who is a hell of an athlete, gonna should be a first-round, late first-round draft pick, maybe early second, ACC's all-time leading scorer. Their, deep, their offensive line had one five-star and two th- four-star athletes starting on it. I get the quarterback, the backup thing. It makes sense. And I honestly think that defense was better last week against Boston College because he had limited practice with the ones. He had a whole week to prepare for this with the number ones. Again, he's not some scrub. And like, just let's look at this. Brian Breeze was the number one ranked or player in the entire country last year started on that defense. They had the number three defensive end from 2018 starting on that defense. The number two offensive tackle in the entire country starting on that offense. The number four ranked corner from 2018 starting on that defense. Everywhere you look, this team is loaded at talent. No, people are looking at LSU this year because they're having a down year. LSU can't can't reload. They lost so much talent on offense and defense. There's only three teams in the country that can compete can do this every year: Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. Because their recruiting classes are so much better than everybody else's. They have talent everywhere. So the fact that yeah, did they start a backup quarterback and did that make a, a big deal? Yes. Did it out decide the outcome of the game? We'll probably find out in the ACC championship game. Most likely, yes. But I'm not taking this win away from Notre Dame in any aspect mm. because they played against a backup quarterback mm. who is a stud, who will be a future Heisman winner, who will be a future first-round pick. I, I, I hate, I hate everybody on all those those fools on Twitter. Oh, congrats against your win against a backup. Look at this roster, and look at who the backup was. I'm not, I'm not listening to any single person. That's going to come at me with that argument. If you want to argue other stuff like the Travis Etienne fumble scoop and score, was his knee down before the goal line? It was pretty close. If if they ended up putting that ball at that half-yard line, yeah, that's the right call most likely. If you want to argue something like that, I'm all ears. But just because they played against the backup with this roster and with, again, DJ is not a scrub. He took took a starting quarterback job away in high school at Don Bosco from another – D1 college commit. I'm not I'm not accepting that. I, I, I cannot no. stand that argument right now. Tommy? That's that's my rant for the night. Tommy, I I loved everything you just said. And I'll I'll even throw this in there, Tommy. Clemson was up in late in the fourth quarter by a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense. 
they had exactly. they had their defensive talent out there. Their their um first team defense out there and they couldn't stop Notre Dame. Notre Dame came back and won that game. I am not by any means taking this victory away. I was just throwing that out there. No, no, and no, like I know, I know you not said, you, but I'm just saying it's been I've been getting at mentions like and I've been honestly I was even attacking some people on Twitter for that type yeah. of stuff. It, it I was having none of it. I could not agree more. And like you said, Tommy, and, and we'll see. We'll see how high Notre Dame is up and then we'll see those border teams that are five and six. Because like you said, chances are we will see a rematch in the ACC championship. Because remember, Notre Dame, I don't, I, I don't know if they were forced to join the conference, but with the COVID with this regulations, year they, were... they, they had, I, yeah. yes, they, they had to join the if conference. They don't, if they don't join the ACC this year, they don't play football this yes. year. Yes, yes. Now, I, I would love to know what made them decide. Well, again, at that time, Big Ten was not looking like they were going to have a season, so ACC was probably their best bet. But, and plus, they, and, they, and they do play, play half their schedule against the ACC anyways because of all the other sports. That and basketball, I know, is in the ACC yeah. or college basketball. So, yeah, I, so I think that Clemson will have a chance to get their revenge come the oh, ACC yeah. championship game. But right now, Notre Dame is in the driver's seat for that conference, and they are now the number two two team overall only behind Alabama and really I'm not too shocked by that but and my my biggest thing too honestly from that game was it, it this made me so mad as a Notre Dame fan is you know I'm looking at the Clemson sideline and I see Dabo getting in his players faces jacking them up getting them ready to put like like that he looked like he was coaching in a national championship game Brian Kelly that entire time on that sideline he had his arms crossed no mo maybe he was trying to be like all oh, this no fear but he looked like he was coaching a saturday game against pitt you know it didn't it, he had no fire no emotion that anytime the camera panned to him on the and side, that upset you it, I, I wanted to see more fire from brian kelly yeah i wanted to see more emotion I, you know though i i can't hold that i i love emotion at the right time like like tommy you know who i am all in on and i'll get more into detail later but joe judge i feel there are perfect times to show emotion and then there's overdoing it or underdoing it now listen brian kelly i think could show more but again maybe that's just not his coaching style that's just it, it, it depends but i do love when coaches do show emotion now Dabo might overdo it at times uh, I, I forget who it was against, but they were blowing out a team and Dabo's getting in the face of one of his players. And it's like, all right, really? You got to be that fiery? I understand that you want to send a message to your team to never, you know, coast or anything, but you really have to get red uh, red face in a blowout. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Each coach is different, but I understand what you mean too. The importance of the game. You would have loved to seen Brian Kelly break out of his shell more and be more fired up but who knows who knows how fired up he was you know who knows what occurred in the locker room maybe the cameras didn't turn to him at the right moment all of that but i i understand what you're getting at and uh, last thing on that game too is to all the people retweeting the picture of like notre dame fans storming the field like oh good good thing COVID doesn't exist. yeah i understand that's a bad look but clearly you didn't watch a single snap of that game 
where you see Brett Venables not wearing his mask the entire time. Yeah. Dabo not wearing his mask at all. Trevor Lawrence, the fact that he was able to travel with the team kind of pissed me off. But he's in the offensive huddle pulling down his mask, yelling at his guys to I get know. him fired up. I know. The guy just had COVID. And what made me laugh, I, I literally bursted out laughing, was there is a couple times in that game where Dabo is covering his mouth while he's talking. Maybe it's to cover his mouth to so other people don't see what he's saying, or maybe so other people can hear him because apparently that stadium must have been loud, only at 20% capacity. But so he's covering his mouth. Just pull up your damn mask, and no one else, no one will know what you're talking about. Or, you know, it, that, that whole mantra again, is it a bad look? It's definitely not a good one. Yeah. But clearly, no one saw either, any coach on that sideline not having their mask up. If they play in the NFL, they're fined $2 million and lose a first round pick off that. Yeah, and listen, I know Clemson isn't one of them, but a couple of SEC schools have are, are now a couple of SEC matchups are now postponed due to an outbreak in COVID in a couple of schools. So obviously, yeah, COVID, same with uh, Ohio, uh, LSU, Bama was canceled. Well, uh, LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Maryland. Yeah, a bunch so, of games. Have been yeah, canceled. so yeah, COVID is definitely not over, and it's starting to take its toll on college football the nfl agreed to add an extra playoff team if regular season games are canceled due to covid so yeah i i i saw that and and again definitely not a good look but at the time i mean you're a drunk college student more likely than I, not hey i'm gonna be 100 percent honest if I'm i would have been out there i would have been i'm on that there. field no one's oh stopping yeah me. oh yeah no i completely agree all right max I apologize. You are still with us, I hope. Max, you may start off the NBA talk. Would you like to begin? Oh, Matt, he's gone silent. Are you upset? No, I'm here. Okay. Would you like to start off with your rant on... <clears throat> what, what, which one is it? Lonzo Ball? No, LaMelo. No, I'll do that one last. Lame- oh, you want to do that last? Okay, so... All right, I was going to give you the the time, the floor, but okay, so we'll we'll transition to the NBA and the league. Max, we touched upon the proposal last week, but a day later they came to an agreement. The new league, the new regular season will begin December 22nd, and that is almost that's like a month and a little more away after Yeah, it'll be here soon. Yeah. And they're hoping to have what was it, twenty-five to fifty percent of suites or fans into the stadium, but yeah, um, the Lakers actually just announced that they're not going to have any fans. Yeah, this... well, I I expect it to be a team by team decision, yeah. definitely depending on what state. But Max, we we had talked about this. It seems a little quick, too quick of a turnaround, especially for the teams that made it made late postseason runs especially with your Miami Heat and the LA Lakers do you think this was the right call I know you're a big basketball fan so are you just happy to get the season underway uh I mean yeah I'm happy that obviously basketball is coming back but just for it's gonna be a weird season for Miami because they're definitely gonna have to you know rest some of their players or not rest them but especially um early in the season probably gonna have to stagger their mints a little bit time management yeah, probably gonna have to do a couple load management, which the Heat don't like to do. But with Jimmy, how he played, and Bam and Dragic, I don't know if they're still if they're healthy or not yet. But no, I'm I'm excited more or less for the season start. I just hope Miami like takes uh, precautionary measures and doesn't you know try to win try to win uh, the first week 
when it's the whole season they still got to mm-hmm. uh, play for. Mm-hmm. Now, Tommy, we had talked about this recently, but there's a couple of different aspects that we had talked about. We don't love it from the time perspective. We don't love it because it's a tough shorten learning period for incoming rookies it's tough for free agents i mean free agency hasn't even started yet so who knows who will be playing where learning a new system new teammates to get accustomed to what would you think about this decision um i do think it, it is a very quick turnaround again just because like you said teams you know free agency hasn't even really started we have all these moves like in the works, like where Chris Paul might end up, where um, Drew Holiday might be on the move. But and like when these moves happen, like again, I'm not the biggest NBA guy, but I feel like when these moves happen, they happen in like July, and then you have until September really to get you know ready with the team. Late September, even later October, but it, it is going to be a very quick turnaround, but. I do think if there is a sport that could have the quickest turnaround, it probably would be the NBA. Like, I feel like hockey is way too much chemistry based with lines and stuff. Football, obviously the playbooks are huge, but, and and honestly, no, baseball, baseball and basketball. I feel like if you were to try and mesh and get into a new system, a new team, a new city, it would have to be both baseball and the NBA, but it's, it's the first couple of weeks are going to be really interesting really interesting with how play flow goes and even like officiating people never like to talk about that how officiating is affected with no real preseason with no real work in games i think we kind of saw that the first two weeks in the nfl where it was three or four weeks in where even some teams didn't even get holding calls because refs were too focused on other stuff so that that's honestly a big thing that i'm looking uh looking forward to seeing how it plays out when the season does start yeah and yeah, I would. I would. I, I don't know if I could say basketball and baseball. Uh, baseball, I definitely agree with you because, really, other than pitchers and catchers, I, I don't really get that much of a team. With Victor, Colin- I, can I uh, stop you for a second? Yeah, sure. Westbrook has officially wanted out of Houston. James reported it. Really? Yeah. See, and that's the thing. Like. It, again, when these that's moves the happen, term. they happen in the middle of the all summer. Right, all right. And then you have until the fall to get ready. Now it's – this is such a quick turnaround. All so right. Tommy knows I was joking with that's the thing. It's an inside joke with our friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks well, because I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. the listeners will love it then. But, um, <laughs> but all right. So let's transition then because Max with the breaking news, thanks with uh, for the Woj bomb. Where we think Russell will end up. Max, you know my opinion. I would love to see him on the Knicks, but realistically, where do you think he ends up? Um, well, if we can just backtrack a little bit. Okay, uh, I know sure. Tommy brought up a point that, you know, a lot of – I would say Tommy's an average fan. He'd probably agree with me. Um, A lot of deals right now are, are getting done through, like, back channels. Like, apparently Danilo is going to be uh, – is going to Brooklyn. Okay. And so there's just a lot of deals going on right now. That's the only one I've heard, but I've I've heard podcasts. There's like at least ten players that already have deals. Once uh, it's twelve o'clock, so there has, there has been some moving moving around. But back to um the Westbrook one, I don't. <clears throat> I want him to go to the Knicks. To be honest with you, I would love that. I really would. I would love that so much more than James Harden. Does he work though with 
Kevin Knox and the rest of that roster? I mean, Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox sucks. Tommy. I know, but he, the the Knicks don't the Knicks organization sees him as kind of like a important part of that team. I honestly, if they do, then they have the wrong guys. Well, because they the got home. that assistant coach from um Kentucky, Kenneth Payne, and I, he's supposed to be the Kentucky whisperer, so that's why they're really hoping that he can fix him. Well, then if that's the case, then that still leaves the door open for Anthony Davis to come to New oh, York geez. this offseason. <laughs> but, but, no, I'm sorry, Tommy. I don't, I don't think you can have Kevin Knox in your long-term plans. I, I, I mean, listen, they're so bad that I wouldn't just toss him away. But, he, but Even, like, R.J. Barrett, though, like, I don't know how Westbrook fits into that team. Like, who who is your bucket getter on that team if you if you sell out to get Westbrook? Agreed. The only thing that I told Max a couple episodes before is I know we are going to suck. The Knicks right now are probably one of, if not the worst teams in the league with their current roster, right? And besides Barrett and Robinson, who who else really gets you excited, right? So. If Westbrook came to this team, we saw what he did with an Oklahoma City team that didn't have much talent either. At least he gives you something to look forward to. At least he gives you some excitement. At least he gives you passion, game in and game out. Like, And in the East, remember, it's not like it's talent heavy. It's not like it's the west where there are so many players uh, so many teams with multiple superstars really i disagree on that with the east oh yeah you got brooklyn you got boston philadelphia miami um who, who am i missing here did i say milwaukee the raptors toronto you don't know what they're doing indiana's even a solid team i don't think compared to the west now I don't put it on the same level. Who are the Lakers and Clippers and who else? I don't I don't think the Nuggets the Nuggets would be I think another the Nuggets. I think the Jazz. I don't know the Jazz. Stop it. Rudy Gobert, no. Donovan Mitchell isn't one of the best players in the league after that yeah, postseason. He's one of the best players, but his team's not good enough. Same thing with the Nuggets. If you put them in the East, it'd be like eh. I mean they'd be like probably a five seed or a six seed. In the West they were a three seed. The Nuggets were. I don't know. The West was a lot more competitive top down than the East was, Max. But I mean, well, well, Houston's going to be gone now, so they're out of the. Houston is going to be gone. That is a good point. But you know, I mean, but what is it? But but listen, we we talk. We've been talking on the show for a while now. Max, the Philadelphia 76ers. We don't know what the hell they are. They've been underachieving. They've been disappointing. No, they're still good. They have potential to be better. They have potential. Potential. If if the Knicks got Westbrook, they have potential to be better. No, they wouldn't. Yes, they would, Max. Yes, they no, would. Not. Yes, yes, no, they would. Who? Westbrook yes. and who? who? Who's out there with him? Julius Randle, who wants the ball and just looks down and goes left? No, but they have young pieces like Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett that could be good, that they could grow in. Uh, Robinson has been in the league for a couple years now, but R.J. Barrett could take a step in year two. I mean, he could, but he needs a ball in his and hands. And also, Westbrook has carried a team before. Do you remember his MVP year where he averaged a triple-double? Well, I mean, listen, this is I'm not saying I'm not saying that he will with the Knicks because he has a little more wear on his tires. This is, this is classic Knicks fans. How is you this classic Knicks fans? I am admitting that they suck. I am that saying thing. that Russell Westbrook is one of my favorite player in the league. I would love to see him in the Knicks uniform. Even if he doesn't have the best talent around him, we he gives it his all, game in and game out. He is exciting to watch. 
Well, good thing you're not an owner of a team then, because just because you like a player doesn't mean you're gonna be on the team. You guys, I'm saying as a fan, what else do I have to watch, Max? I mean, listen, you can get all loud and stuff. That's not gonna fix your argument. <laughs> Point is, is that you guys are gonna have cap space next year. You're gonna have like, uh, I think, top three in the league. Who? Why would you want Westbrook? Oh, to eat no, cap you know space? what? You know what, Max? I forgot because you know what? We didn't have cap space last summer. That's why we were able to sign Kyrie Irving and sign KD. Right? Oh, we, no, we that's every other point. power forward in the NBA. Yeah, that's a good point. But then you locked up all your cap space with so you could have just signed guys one year deals, but you did through you know typical Knicks stuff. I know. I'm saying if we're gonna make bad moves, I might as well like the player. Well, no, you can't. No, I mean, listen, I, you're a Knicks fan, so I guess if that's what you really want, then I, well, I guess it's not that, what I really want. But what else do I have to look forward to? Give me something just, to watch. I would suck another year. And and what? Oh, and what? Giannis? Giannis? You laughed in my face when I talked about Giannis. Well, yeah, because it's funny. Yeah, exactly. So his game's not going to age well. That contract's going to be eaten up, and it's like, oh, Russ, uh, jumper's not really looking good. Hasn't looked good, and he's still going to drive the rim at 100 miles per hour with bad knees. I'm just saying, short term, I would love to have Russell Westbrook on the team. Yes, that I, I'd give you that, but I would just look to trade other guys, like you know, package. Get, you guys got to hit your draft picks, and then trade to some for like a Bradley Beal or somebody like that, a little bit younger. And a game's going to age well. Yeah, but I don't think that – I really don't see them in the Bradley Beal market. I really think that they're going to be overpowered and – All right, but Archie, all right, that's, a, that's a question I, I wanted to ask you tonight, though, Victor, talking about that is with, obviously, Steve Cohen coming in and shaking stuff up in New York and the Mets and Queens, but do you think that puts more quite, like pressure on the Knicks – to have a big offseason because they see all these other New York teams kind of making moves and making big changes. Not at you, all. Not you, at all. You don't think that puts any pressure on them to try and make a big splash, like to get, even if it is a Russell Westbrook? Like, you don't think that puts them in a position where they might try to make a big deal like that? No, because James Dolan is still the owner of this team. Yeah, he's the worst. Team, right? I agree, but. And he always is looking for that big splash. So to say that it's gone up, no. The fact of the matter is they've been looking to make a big splash in free agency the last couple of years, and they just failed to do so. And when it comes to trades, they always make the wrong one, or they always give up too much. So I don't think it's different than years past. I think that if Westbrook was available last year, now I understand he was traded from OKC to the Rockets, but I think that was more of a in in-house sort of agreement between the two. I think that James Dolan would have given up the house for Westbrook last year if he had the opportunity to do so. So I don't think that this offseason, whether it's the Mets, Yankees, I don't think that this offseason is any different from years past with Dolan and the Knicks. Well, the Knicks and Clippers are the leaders for Westbrook right now. Yes, and to be honest with you, Max, I don't know if I love Westbrook on the Clippers. What about you? I don't. I mean, it's another playmaker because, you know, what got them in trouble last year was they didn't really have a guy to bring up the ball. And not that Westbrook sets up an offense, but he has a with Kawhi on his team, he would definitely, you know, just run the offense a little bit more and then create a little bit more. Pat Beverly can't create his own shot. So in that aspect, I understand that. That it's another guy that to bring the ball up and not have Kawhi or even last year Paul George, but I don't think Paul George would be on the team. Eh, he could be in a sign trade, but I think it's just another creator for them and a ball handler. But I mean, there's other guys on the market you can get. I wouldn't want to trade my whole team for Westbrook at this age. 
What about you, Tommy? Do you think that Westbrook would make the Clippers that much better? Honestly, probably not. Because, I mean, we we already saw this experiment with OKC, right? With him and Paul George. Does Kawhi add a better aspect? Yeah, it does. But I don't think Westbrook's the team that's going to Westbrook's the piece that's going to put that team truly over the top. Yeah, I, that was basically my argument too, Tommy. We we saw those two in OKC, right? And obviously, you're not going to give up Kawhi for Westbrook. And chances are you're not going to give up Paul George for Westbrook. So I don't love that as a big three. To me, that's now going to give your team two players that don't show up in the playoffs along with Kawhi. I, I do not love that trade for the Clippers. I don't. And, and I think yeah. Westbrook takes too many shots. And I don't think, I think at the end of the day, Kawhi is the guy, the guy that wants to score, be the guy. And I don't think that him and Westbrook are going to mesh. So, I mean, real quick, without Victor throwing a gasket here, wouldn't you just rather have R.J. Barrett develop and let him, let him be the lead ball handler? Because that's who he was at Duke most of the time. Instead of Westbrook taking the shots away from him? Are you asking me or are you asking Tom? Yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm asking you, yeah. I would, Max. I would. But we're going to suck either way, right? I At least yeah. give me something with Westbrook. I think that Westbrook makes us a better team and he can lead us into the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying championship, but give me something exciting to watch. Max, it's been a while since the Knicks have been watchable. I, I, It pains me to turn them on my television. It really does, Max. They're so boring. They're no, so that, boring. Is it really worth it being the eighth seed instead of just maybe potentially getting another lottery pick? Max, we've sucked and we've failed to, got, uh, to get the top draft pick for the last couple of years. The highest we've gotten is third and we screwed that up. No, I mean, listen, I, uh, well, I yeah, no, 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 third, yeah. I understand where you're coming from, but I just, if you like, guys want to move here. Just because if we suck, just because we suck Melo back doesn't guarantee. You want to move? What? You want, I got to move for you, Melo, back <laughs> in the Knicks. No, dude, I don't want that. I do not want that one bit. I do not want Melo. No. Victor, I'm, all right. Victor, you're, this is, you're, admitting, you're admitting that the Knicks are going to be bad, so why would you give up assets to get an average player to really not I mean not that Westbrook's average I'm not saying that but is he he's not going to be the guy to take you to the next level okay at most right. you're going to be a seven seed but does that really help your franchise going forward okay uh, I'll, I'll I'll make it full circle like this I'll, I'll this is what I have to say this is probably more of a selfish want than anything else do I think that this helps them in the long term no just like if they were to trade for a player I didn't want, Victor Oladipo, giving up multiple first-round draft picks would not help them in the long term, right? And I do want them to succeed. All I'm saying is until they prove to me, until they show me that they use those picks wisely, until they show me that they have an actual plan, until they show me that they have building blocks, you know, it's just a constant cycle of disarray with this team it really is so i might as well just shake things up and have my favorite player on my favorite team and make it exciting now again that's selfish that is a selfish want of me i'm just saying i truly believe that as long as dolan 
owns the New York Knicks, they will never go anywhere. They will never win. No, I mean, you're right on that, but same thing with you, why you don't want Oladipo, but you're going to have to give up picks for Westbrook too. So, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of a... No, what, I, what, I know, but at the end of the day, Max, what are those picks? Like, am I confident in the new regime? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but still the goddamn Knicks. It's still the Knicks led by James Dolan. Nothing has worked in our favor. Even when we make the right pick like Porzingis, we end up trading him. So, you know, it's just... Oh, it's yeah. just... Actually, I don't. I know we're backtracking, but did you like that trade for them back then? Or were you done with Porzingis at that time? No, I hated that trade at the time. Okay. I I, I honestly never asked you, so I just I, wanted I to I hated know. that trade, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but all right. Anyway. Didn't they kind of have to make that move, though? Because you were going to lose him that offseason, right? They could have offered him... Max, what is the contract? Couldn't they have offered him the most money out of anyone? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll do it quick. Um, they could have. He was not going to sign the, you know, the extension that everyone off the rookie deal does. So they would give him a qualifying offer for I think around six to eight million, and he would accept it because or he's not making any money. And but I would have called his bluff a little bit on that because who's not going to, you know, you're going to turn down a max contract just because you don't like a team. You, he would have resigned, and you know, worst comes to worst, they trade him a year or two. But I think it got so bad with him and just ownership there that it was just. I mean, then he got in a fight. Do you guys remember when he got in a fight at his home in his home country? Yeah, he got, he got like, his ass down. kicked. Yeah, yeah. he was all over it, dude. The yeah, so like I think it was it was stuff like that that bothered the Knicks, and they didn't really want to commit to him, and he was kind of going behind. Yeah, because Dolan is a first class act. Oh yeah, well no, I'm just saying, <laughs> but just yeah, well. Anyway, so I think they kind of just ruined the situation like they they uh they usually do. Yeah, Dolan ruined Dolan. James Dolan ruins the situation. Victor? What team does he own? The Rangers. The Knicks. The Knicks. Anyway, we briefly talked about this, but let's move on to another point guard that is on the training block. And a surprise team came out of nowhere, and that is the Phoenix Suns. Now, Max, obviously a young team with some talent. Do you think that this would be a good move by Phoenix to trade for the veteran? Now, did didn't I say on a podcast to watch out for Chris Paul and the Suns? What happened? Didn't I say Chris Paul watch out for Chris Paul and the Suns? Probably not. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I think you I think really pissed me off, Phoenix. dude. You really pissed me off. But continue. What the hell did I do? No, you just a dick. Go. <laughs> Go. Um, no, uh, I think that'd be a great move for Phoenix. They, the bubble definitely, they're right now in the bubble. Booker's a premier talent. DeAndre Aiden looks good. Uh, Chris Paul used to play for Monty Williams, their head coach now. And then, uh, you know, this team needs a veteran. They want to make the playoffs. And I think for Chris Paul, too, he, he there's been reports how he doesn't want to go to L.A. Um, there's another report that Kawhi actually got a hold of Chris Paul, and he wants Chris Paul to go back to the Clippers. But I don't know if that's going to work out. That would be nuts. That would be crazy. And I love that move. Sorry, Max. You can continue. No. Um. So I, it, it's kind of funny. They would actually do the same move that they did when he was with the Clippers to trade to Houston because they would have to do a sign trade with Montrez Harold, mm-hmm. trade Lou Williams and Pat Beverly. And that's what it would just be funny that it would be for, uh, for a circle, circle again. But I don't know why the Thunder would want all those guys on the team. But I, for a sake of a trade, I don't know. Uh, but – 
I think the Suns are honestly probably his best option. He's not going to win a championship, but they can probably make a second round appearance maybe if they get another because they have enough money to get another max guy. Not max guy, but they have an $18 million cap hold. I forget on who, but they can get somebody who's a decent player to add on to. So I think that's probably his best opportunity right now. Tommy, what about you? How do you like Chris Paul to the Suns? I mean, is it again? It's the same thing. Like, yeah, it could be worth getting to like the second round of the playoffs, get your fans excited. Something that Phoenix hasn't seen in a while, but it's I, I, what I think would benefit more from that move is the type of mentorship maybe Chris Paul can offer. Obviously, one of the most respected guys in the league to a pretty young roster and pretty influential, like Devin Booker type, there to. Who knows? Maybe maybe create some type of mindset and bring a decent team back to Phoenix. I think it. I think it would work. I think it makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. It really depends how much you're going to be giving up. Because to me, Chris Paul should be that final piece to get you over the hump, make you that championship contending team. And Max, we talked about it, right. Clippers make a ton of sense. The Lakers make a ton of sense. I know that you know, barring salary cap and all that. We talked about the Bucks, right? You know, does Chris Paul make the Suns a championship team? No. So, you know, unlike the Knicks, who, again, to me, don't have a future in place, the Suns seem to be on the right track. So are you really going to screw that up for a piece to me that doesn't even make you a championship contender in the West? Uh, Well, if Devin Booker wants it, then, yeah, you have to. I mean, because there's rumors about how he's not happy in Phoenix either. But I, honestly, Victor, though, you, you made a good point though. Like, it all depends at the right cost. Like, I'm not giving up the farm for Chris Paul at this point in his career. Like, it's just I'm not giving up. I'm not selling out my future like what the Nets did when they got old KG uh, Paul George in that terrible trade. Like, I'm not. I'm not agreed. selling out agreed. my entire agreed. future for something like that. You know, again, it might just be like a mentor piece, or if, like Max just said, if you're gonna keep, you gotta keep Devin Booker happy, right, or else he's gone. Agreed. I and it is very important. I just like I still like again, Max. Like I think that, and again, in a perfect world, but again, this doesn't happen normally in sports. Like if they went out and got a big piece in free agency with the 18 million that you said, and then they were like, oh crap. You know, if we added Chris Paul to complete this thing, we have a real shot at a championship. I would understand that. But to me, Chris Paul is better suited for a team like the Clippers, like the Lakers, like the Bucks, where they're missing. Not, not even the Lakers in this standpoint, but where they could get right back to the championship with a move like that. Yeah, I mean, it's... Now, Max, Max, I want to ask you because, I mean, I don't know. D could you see Chris Paul at all going to your heat? Because another point uh -oh. guard that we have yet to mention that is now in trade talks is James Harden. And we had, and you actually sent me a tweet not long before, before the show. And he has already discussed with Rockets management that if he were to be traded, who was it to the 76ers, he, and what was the other one, Max? And uh, Brooklyn. And he actually and just Brooklyn. came out, or Shams reported that he's locked in for the season. He's locked in with Houston? Yeah, for now. Okay, looks... well, that's good. Because to be honest with you, I'd stay away from Harden. I wouldn't touch him with a 39 and a half foot pole. But, Max, do you think the Heat should 
you know, make an inquiry about Chris Paul? Well, I mean, last year they tried to look, they looked at him and uh, Westbrook, and they just don't want to affect anything with uh, next year's salary cap because of Giannis and all the other guys there. Yep. Uh, I would like Chris, I would like to have Chris Paul last year on the team, honestly, but just with this, how bad is not, it's not, his contracts, it's, he's a max guy, but that much money he's making, you can't have him on your team, and especially being at that age. So I would have liked them to look at it last year. This year, no, I, I think Miami's okay for right now. I don't think they need a Chris Paul or Westbrook. If their contracts weren't this bad and it was like a one-year deal left on the contract, yeah, I'd definitely look at to get uh, one of them this year. But their contracts in years, it just doesn't it doesn't add up with Miami's timeline. So I, I would I would pass on both. Okay. All right. I was just wondering because um, I feel like the Heat are a team that we haven't really talked about. And I, I know that they have Drogic, but I was just wondering if you felt that they could improve at the point guard position and with some of those names, like what? what uh, well, you you said that you wouldn't touch Westbrook either. Okay, all right. Now, Max, would you like to get into your rant, or was there something you would like to say before? Oh no, uh, yeah, actually, the Atlanta Hawks, real quick. They they, uh, they made me laugh today. Um, the Green Drew, Hol- they they want Drew Holiday. I saw uh, that. Yes. Yeah, they think they're a piece away. Well, let me tell you something, Atlanta fans. I'm not that I think any Hawks fans listen to this, but they do. You know, sorry. The Pelicans are a better team than you, and Drew Holiday's probably their third, second best player on the team. And what what is he going to do for you your, for the Hawks when the Pelicans are better than you, and you're going to give them Drew Holiday, who could might leave after the year for the sixth pick? Because I know Atlanta management wants to make playoffs this year, and it's only been two years. And Trey Young going into his third year is all uh, bitching about we need to make playoffs or this and that, whatever. Like, okay, again, you want to make the eighth seed and get swept or win a game? Yippee. Like them, them wanting Drew Holiday actually made me laugh today. Like well, he's not going to do anything. What guard the best perimeter defender and Trey Young's still going to get cooked on defense? Okay, yippee! I, th- that move does nothing for them. Agreed. Agreed. I mean that that just oh my god. Yeah, what do, what do you guys think about the Drew Holiday Atlanta? Tommy, you can go first. Again, is it is it really the the piece that is missing from this Atlanta Hawk team that? Like, I mean, I guess we could say this with any move. Like, is this – when you look at any trade, you have to evaluate. Is this the piece that we need to make us better, to put us over the top to make us the top competitor that we need to be? I don't really think that's there. Like, is he really going to play or do that much different than what Trey Young can do? I mean, he's Hell a good no. facilitator. He's a good facilitator. I'm not taking that away from him, but I don't – I just don't understand the fit. And it's the same thing, like – I know we're talking about the Hawks and the – but – like the stuff that's coming out where like the Nets, like I only saw one Bleacher Report article, but the Nets might, might be in the move for uh, Victor Oladipo. With Kyrie and KD, both those guys need the ball in their hand. If you had Victor Oladipo to the mix, like what is he really going to add that you don't already have? You know, it just those types of moves don't make sense to me. Again, I look at a Drew Holiday and with any of the teams that I mentioned before, Max, even your Heat, I think that he could be a great piece to a team that is already built with a strong foundation. I, I, I don't look at the Hawks and think, wow, they're only a piece away. No. Yeah, so I do not think Drew Holiday is a good move for them. And I see they're looking at DeMar DeRozan as well. Ew, why? I Well, they, they need to make the playoffs. That's what management says. Okay. Anyway. Well, I'll, get to, I'll get to the rant. Yeah, all right. 
Um, I'll ask you guys a couple questions, but I'll just keep up with me. Oh, God. Have you guys seen, like, any LaMelo Ball? Um, like, well, have you seen any good or bad LaMelo Ball draft news or whatever? I've about seen, these experts? I, you know my take on drafts, Maxwell. And I have seen a lot, but I don't read too much into it. Okay. Tommy, what about you? I I saw I saw a couple of days ago that he might he's trending towards the number one pick. Well, yeah. See, that's this is where I mean. Okay, you guys didn't really hit any of the notes I wanted to hit, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Tommy's in. What do you want us to hear, Max? No, I thought you guys would just know the what like the national media guys have been ripping him the shreds for some reason. Uh, Tommy's gonna love this. Simmons <laughs> and Rasulo were ripping him apart on Bill Simmons' podcast. Of course they were. And that just irked me to know to it just irked me because one, they're saying and I other podcasts listen to too, oh well he's got a TV show. I watch that TV show every Sunday because I don't know why. I just like watching the show. Lamelo hasn't been on there the last ten episodes. And they're only twenty to twenty five minute uh you know, shows. They're acting like uh, oh he's a Kardashian. He's not even on the show. How is that a Kardashian when you're not even on the show? And these people care about his dad so much. Who the hell cares what his dad has to say about anything? Lonzo's a quiet kid, doesn't do anything, doesn't get in trouble. And people hated on him because his dad said he was a no-run pick. Okay, yeah. Uh, put, put him on the cross. What a, what an asshole he is. And then this this LaMelo thing, mind you, if I don't like a young college player coming in, if I had a national platform like they do, I'm not going to rip him to shreds because he's 19-year-old, 18, 19-year-old, and, he and he's trying to live out a dream. And for those two jackasses. Oh, my on, God, shut 13, up. What? What's the big deal? I don't want to pick up the pre- dude. They're they're. Do you know how much, how much they've been given? Okay, for their status in high school as a like borderline professional athlete. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. Okay. okay? Well, anyways, and it's their um, job to pick them apart. But continue. Not, no, Bill Simmons is the worst. No. I don't care what it is. It could be him talking you know about what? the Celtics. You know what? It could be him talking about the Patriots. It could be him talking about the Red Sox. He's the biggest selfie asshole. You don't I've have a national met. platform like he does, and you rip a kid because you don't like his dad. You are a talent evaluator. That is your job. You don't. You're not a life coach saying, "Oh, well, he's got a TV show." What is his basketball analysis? I'm sorry, Bill Simmons has a huge platform. People listen to him. Average fans listen to him. Oh yeah, that that Mel Ball sucks. The Simmons said so. That's how that goes. And GMs listen to shit too. And they're like, oh, well, you know, Simmons said it, so should we rethink of it? You can't you can't rip kids. I'm sorry. I don't care if they're you know, famous or not. I don't, I don't care. Until they're in the M- NBA, then you can go on rants about uh, Let them get drafted first. Like, they're, they're, he, those two are legitimately affecting his draft status, I've heard on podcasts, because of that podcast. They're like, oh, now GMs are having second thoughts because Ron Rasillo and Bill Simmons said something. I good, think it's good, good. That's, good. That's on NFL official analyst or GM guys, though. You, you should know better than to read into what they have to say. It's the same things with, with draft analysts who buy into Matt Miller's power rankings. You have to create your own yeah. analyst. That's why you're in your seat and they're in a, in a perspective view seat. Exactly. Oh, no, I, I agree exactly. Exactly. I agree with you, but that, that's just how it is with those GMs. They hear everything, and then one says something. It just irks me the wrong way. I I just don't like it. Well, I there's no sympathy from me, no sympathy whatsoever. I'm so sick of the Ball family. And yeah, why? He's six four. He still ain't bigger than my ball. Yeah. What what is the Ball family? Why do they bother so many people? I just find it hilarious. They don't bother me. Their dad talks a lot. Okay. They they used to talk LeBron and Michael. Now what are they talking? LeBron and LeVar, or Michael and LeVar. 
Yeah. I that, love this man. Because Anytime exactly. that man's on the TV, I'm fuck, I'm clicking to people it. People get so serious like over sports sometimes. It's like, it's like, oh, he said that. Okay, it's easy. Can he run? Father. Can he jump? Not like my boy can. Thank you. I just, I, you I guys, find it hilarious. It's a victor over here. Going attention just, because I hate why, the ball family. Because you know what? The dad is taking away from what his sons are doing. From their talent on the basketball court. He's, Just because he failed. Up, no, he's, he's he failed. And he wants the attention on him. That's why I can't stand him. Well, why, what does that have to do with Lonzo and LaMelo? Lonzo, I've learned to not hate as much. LaMelo looks like a little prick. He does. Oh. He does. He does. You can't tell me otherwise. You can't tell me that he's not a spoiled little brat. From well, I that stupid you. haircut and his stupid buck teeth. I don't like him. Well, well everybody, this is this is, like uh, this is Victor's old white man. Get off my lawn. <laughs> here. So He's I such just see example A right here. I don't know the guy, but I don't. I haven't seen him play basketball, but he, his haircut pisses me off. He sucks. And you know what? If that's what you just did. If, if, that's if, Victor's if, analysis right there. If, I don't know what the hell's going on, but he looks stupid. I don't. No, I don't know no, what no, that means. No, no. That's not my analysis. I think that he can definitely play the game of basketball. And do I think that he has a future? Yeah, if he kept, keeps his head on straight. But to me, he looks like a spoiled little brat that has been given everything. And, I, you know, if that's going to be his attitude come the NBA, I wouldn't expect him to have a very long career. I mean, look at, look at what LeVar did, though, by sending a top recruit overseas to play get paid there's a bunch of like uh the kid who just decommitted from syracuse he's looking at the uh g league route or maybe even going overseas because he's like oh maybe i have the talent to do this like lavar love him or hate him he's he's figured something out yeah. and he's setting, he's setting the stage i think it's no, so tommy victor doesn't want to see it that way he can't stand his face <laughs> no it's he just that i really think that Le- my boy <laughs> i still think that lavar can't get over the fact to me lavar is one of those guys that you invite over and still tells stories about his high school playing days he just cannot get over the fact that he became a nothing and now uh, he he's pushing it on to his boys oh, okay max would you have known that stayed, without stayed in the NFL. i thought that was surprising would you have nice known, would you have known that if uh if he didn't have as big of a mouth as he did no Still ain't bigger than my boy. Would you would you have known if Jim Harbaugh did if he wasn't a head coach? Yes. No, yeah, no. I mean, Victor, yes. we can play that game for anybody. Yeah, so I mean, that's not the same thing all right, at all. Know, all because right. Jim Harbaugh actually had success as an NFL head coach. Where's Levar done? I'm not saying a coach in the NFL. I'm saying he's got a mansion in L.A. What? He's got a mansion in L.A. That's better than we. Big baller brand. Remember those piece of shit shoes? He ripped people off. Yeah. Go ahead and glorify this man. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not stand you stand up for this loser. I mean an opinion. I'm I'm just I didn't say that's why he's gonna suck in the NBA. I just told you why I'm not exactly rooting for him. Well, there you have it. Well, yep, yep. There no, you go. Actually, I'll, actually, I'll give that to you, Victor. If you, yeah. you don't like the kid. That's fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll give you that 100. Am I gonna sit here and say, oh, he's gonna suck because of his stupid haircut? No, Max. I don't like I, I don't I don't like the way that um get off everyone's get off his lawn people Jesus all right anything else are you done with your rant can we move on to some NFL yeah actually no I, I wanted to talk, oh, Jesus. do one no no, it's not no, no I'm just kidding <laughs> I don't remember if you guys talked about it last week but just like 
the I want to know what your guys' takes were on the hirings from like Steve Nash and the Nets with Amari Stoudemire and um, Mike D'Antoni. Like what you guys thought about that? If you think it might create too many big voices in one locker room, or if you think that much input would be good from like a lot of former players. So I mean, say what you want about Mike D'Antoni. I'd say he's still a successful NBA head coach. Uh, if you think that creates too much of like a distraction or stuff, I want to know your guys' takes on that one. Um, Max, you can go ahead with this one first. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I mean, we kind of talked about it last week, I think, or the week before. Yeah, but you did, you did touch on it a little bit, but I was just curious about this. No, yeah, no, 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 it's not a bad question. Yeah, Max, you can go. No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, D'Antonio could have gotten the Pacers job if he really wanted it, from what I heard, and he kind of withdrew his name from the Pelicans job. I mean, he's like 69 years old. I don't think he, you know, he really wants to co- be a head coach that bad. So I think he just wants to help Steve Nash, you know, uh, the shoulder to talk to about, you know, veterans and him being a coach for how long in the league. And just, you know, just another brain to pick at. D'Antoni's not going to try to, you know, go under, over his shoulder and talk about him, this and that. He probably wants to be assistant for two years and, you know, help him out and then just, you know, retire and do what he's got to do. Also, um, Tommy, I, I had mentioned this briefly. The only thing that I said was that I just could see it being a little weird. Like, as an outsider, I thought it was a little weird that a former player now has a – now has his former coach under him. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. But like I said, I just did. I want to know, like, if you think that might create like too much headbutting type in a locker. No, room. because like, I also Tony will take like the backseat type of deal. I I do, and I think it's great to have a guy who has experience with a first time head coach, right? And also, you gotta remember that all these three guys, like the ones that you mentioned, Steve Nash, Stoudemire. They had probably their best success when they were all together. So I envision that a lot that a lot of their beliefs or playing styles or visions for the team will be eerily similar for the most part. Okay. And that that and they have worked together in a locker room before and know each other's personalities. So I, I, I don't I don't see many issues arising from it. Okay, yeah, like I said, I just I want to know if you thought that that was pretty much my question was you guys both just answered it like if you thought that it create division, but I I hope they I I would like to see them all be able to work together and stuff. I think it will work, but I just want to know from your guys's uh, perspective what you think. Yeah, that that's really my opinion. I don't think that um I uh I, I'm rooting for it to work. I, I really am, and you know I well. Yes and no, because I'm really not rooting for KD and Kyrie to have success in Brooklyn. But I am rooting for Steve Nash. Never had a problem against him. Salamar, again, drew my interest in the New York Knicks. And D'Antoni, yes, he's very offensive heavy. But I think he did the best that he could with that Knicks team that he had. I, w- I always felt so bad for how Steve Nash's career kind of came to an end, too. Like, like, the guy literally pulled out his back getting luggage. Like, just little stuff like that. I was like, man, he, he deserved a better exit from the NBA than he got. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's move on to some NFL. And, Max, this was a and this was a game that we had thought was going to go in the opposite direction, but we never expected it to be a blowout. And that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being embarrassed by the New Orleans Saints, 38-3. to Guys, um, 
So this is the first time in Tom Brady's career that he's been swept in the season by a divisional opponent. Now, obviously, that's not saying much because he played in the AFC East for 19 years. But anyway, the Saints with a convincing win. Tommy, I'll ask you first. What did this say about both teams? Do you think this was just a blip in the road for the Buccaneers? Do you think the Saints came out with looking to make a statement and show that they're the favorites in the NFC South and NFC as a whole? Um, I think it was it was definitely a humbling game for the Buccaneers. I mean, every day I I don't know why I do this. So I, I've been working from home. Uh, like majority of people have and you know i need background noise just something to have on and a lot of i had to turn it off like a couple weeks ago and i haven't turned it back on since but like i'll start my day with like get up or and then first take just because it's something easy to find just background noise but the way that like the the like max always complains about the national media the way that they were just hyping up the bucks this a week after they lose on thursday night to the bears oh this has to be a super bowl team the way they're playing all this blah, blah, blah. no they're not I, don't, I still have them winning the nfc i don't i don't know who honestly a gun to my head i'd honestly probably pick the packers but like I, this is a very humbling game for them and it was honestly more importantly i think a game that the saints needed they were having a bit of bit a little bit of like an identity issue confidence issue not knowing like you know coming down to the wire against a really well coached a really good uh panthers team they kind of squeaked out, and then an ugly win against the Bears. This this was a kind of like statement need that I think win that their locker room needed. So all in all, both sides, I think the Buccaneers. Real it was like a it was a shot in the gut to say, all right, we got to figure something out because clearly we're not as good as we think we are. I think their defense. I think Todd Bowles deserves a lot of credit for what he's been doing there, but I mean they have no run game. At the end of the day, they literally they set the record for the least amount of runs in an NFL game in modern history. That's it, it, I don't think Ronald Jones is the answer. I think he's good. All right, I think Fournette between the tackles is pretty good. He's turned into the pass catching back there. I think Shady's still on the roster. Not that I've seen him, but that this team they 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 have all the tools. They got all the the little fun trinkets that you can run out there on offense, but. I really still think that they needed this loss to kind of look in the mirror and say, all right, what do we have to change? Max, what would you take from the blowout win from the Saints? Uh, I mean, New Orleans had a hell of a pass rush on Brady. I mean, the moment you get those old guys moving side to side, it's hard for them to keep up with it. Yep. And the defense, I was kind of like what Tommy said, Bowles has done a really good job this year. And they just they just look lost. <laughs> That's really the best way to put it. Yeah. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> they spent they spent a lot of time on the field that game though. A lot yeah, of time. They did. They did. I, listen, Brady just looked lost at points, and he finished the game with three interceptions, sacked three times. Like you said, Tommy, no run game. What they had five carries, eight yeah. rushing yards. I mean, and you know the Saints offense was definitely excited to get their number one receiver back onto the field. Listen, it was a statement win, and I couldn't agree with you more, Tommy. I think I said it last week. The Saints, 
have won games, but they haven't done it convincingly. They've done it ugly. And at the end of the day, a win is a win. But this game really sent a statement, not only to the Bucks but the league, that we are still a dangerous team. I did not think that the Saints were going to win this game. I thought the Bucks found their groove. I thought with Antonio Brown coming into the mix that they were going to win this game. And they did not do that. Nah, they, I mean, I. It sucks because it, it, what what's holding the Saints team back realistically is I honestly think it's Drew Brees, but he he played really well. You know, you, he didn't even practice this week. He was hurt. He was literally just throwing balls on the sidelines this week, and then he comes back and plays like that. I, it, it 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 felt good to see Drew Brees to go out there and have a good game. Is really what it was, too. And here's the thing. He's at the point of his career, and I think the Saints have a good enough team around him that he no longer needs to be the Drew Brees of old. Again, he's an aging veteran quarterback. I don't think he can shoulder an entire team anymore. But again, he finished the game completing 26 of 32 passes. Only 222 yards, yes, but he threw for four touchdowns. I I mean, that's a formula for success is, you know, establish the run, which the Saints did a pretty good job of. They ran it 37 times for over 130 rushing yards. They threw it 32 times. They did what they had to to win the ballgame, and they shut down an explosive Buccaneers offense. It's... uh... It's it's weird to see how Drew Brees has transitioned his game. Like I remember growing up, and you seeing Drew Brees just ripping the ball downfield, like, mm-hmm. no regard. You know, Marcus Colston's down there. I'm just gonna yep. let it yep. rip and make he'll find the ball. But he it sucks as like I said, he just it, that game does not exist for him anymore. He cannot stretch the field vertically. No, but that's why Michael Thomas gets peppered with for not that it happened this game, but last year. You know, 14, 15 targets a game on slants and five-yard outs and uh, just random stuff like that. And you're just putting a ball in a playmaker's hands and letting him make a move, which why Michael Thomas there is a great fit. Well, Tommy, but, like like I said, just to go off of that point, they surrounded him with a exactly. talented team. They surrounded him with playmakers. They surrounded him with guys like Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara that as long as you get the ball into their hands more times than not, they will make something happen, and and they and they were smart too by getting Emmanuel Sanders because he is a he is the deep threat guy, and is he gonna see the production he saw in Denver or the targets that he got when he got traded to the 49ers? No, but he's a guy that he, it forces you on defense to you got to cover him. You you can't risk letting Drew Brees let that shot rip. Not that he's gonna take that that wild chance anymore. But if it's there, you know he's going to hit it, and that it keeps defenses honest well, at again, the end of the day. He's an explosive slot receiver, and if you focus too much of your attention on Thomas, well, you still have to worry about Kamara and Sanders. If you focus too much attention on Kamara, you have to still keep your eye on Thomas and Sanders. You know, there are just weapons across the board, and yeah. I think the Saints have done a good job of surrounding Breeze with talent to work with. With you know ready ready for this Victor too is they got a good offensive line you know who their yeah. starting tackle is Andreas Pete 
Wow. Know where he was, know where he was drafted? Yep. Five spots after, I think it was five spots, five or six spots after our boy Eric Flowers. Yep. I know. I know. I know. I Kills know. me to this day. I know. But let's, you know, let's move on to another statement win. And listen, I'll, uh, I'll admit once again I was wrong. The Buffalo Bills came out with a pretty convincing victory over the Seattle Seahawks at home, beating them 44 to 34 you know they held Russell Wilson in check for as much as you can hold the league MVP in check forcing him to throw a couple of interceptions sacked him five times wow Josh Allen on the other hand wow 31 of 38 over 400 passing yards three touchdowns listen my first thing was to give him credit, give the Bills credit if they beat the Patriots, which they did, to come out and for most of the game handle the Seattle Seahawks. I know that they put up 34 points, but the Bills really, really sent out a statement with this win. Tommy, are you ready to give Josh Allen that Bills team respect? I am. But and it, honestly, it comes back from uh, their loss to the Chiefs, which I know sounds weird. But if you go back and watch that Chiefs game, it was a terrible, rainy, windy, awful night in Buffalo. Awful, weird COVID week where realist, the Bills were in that game. They don't really have a – David Montgomery is – or not David Montgomery, um, uh, Devin Singletary is he's all right, nothing crazy. Zach Moss is a good red zone back. They really just don't have the rushing attack to keep teams like honest. But I I do I'm I'm in on this Bills team. I think Sean McDermott is a great coach. Great head coach. Couldn't agree more. Their defense needs to find a way to tighten it up a little bit. But I, I'm I'm in on this Bills team, man. I I really I like them. I don't I don't like them enough to win the AFC. But I, I, if I have to get to the Super Bowl and I see the Bills on my schedule, that makes me nervous. Well, another great offseason acquisition that they had was Stefan Diggs. And it really was a win-win for both teams because the Vikings are definitely enjoying Justin Jefferson. But the way Diggs has really helped Allen grow and improve as a quarterback. I mean, this past game, nine receptions for 118 yards. Diggs really has emerged as that number one receiver, which I didn't think he was capable of doing. But, Max, you know, we've been pretty down on the Bills. What did you think? Do you think this says more about the Bills being that good or the Seahawks just have a really bad defense? Um, <clears throat> Jesus. Uh, I think it's probably both, to be honest with you. Bills definitely showed um, – well, Josh Allen definitely surprised me, even though I've always kind of been – Hit or miss with him, but he definitely played amazing. And that Seahawks defense, whew, man, especially shout out to my boy Jamal Adams who getting torched yeah. by uh, Josh Allen and those boys. <laughs> yeah, boys. Yeah, you no, know, those are for real. They are, I think. Yeah, and, I, and real quick, I kind of want to just touch on what Max said. It was like with the Seahawks defense, like sheesh. They I, going into the season, not that you know I have a platform, you know we can go back and roll the tape, but I got text messages. My, my preseason Super Bowl pick, which I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, was honestly Seahawks-Steelers. Like, I was I was all in on the Seahawks, but, man, with that defense, I, w- I was listening to a podcast on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, 
it must have been Monday because they were breaking down the games. The Seahawks are on pace to let up the most passing yards in any NFL season by over a thousand yards. Yeah, they're like the worst defense of all time. They could be right or it, something. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. historically bad. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Pete Carroll's a pretty good defensive-minded guy too. I I don't know. It, it's got to be. Is it a lack of talent? Is it a lack of focus? I I don't know what it is, but they they got to tighten it up, man. If they, if they want to. They have the t- they have the tools definitely on offense, obviously not on defense, to make a legit Super Bowl run. But if that defense goes up against like a Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, there's no shot. There is no shot yeah. that they can be they can win. Yeah, no, I I agree because again I still think that def- uh, defense wins championships no matter how good your offense is. But uh, you know. It's it's amazing because they got seven sacks on Josh Allen, but unless they blitz, they don't get to the quarterback. And the problem is if they don't if they blitz and still don't get to the quarterback, their secondary, even with Josh uh sorry, Jamal Adams, is not good enough to hold the receivers long enough. That that defense is scary bad. Now, my prediction, I told this to Max a couple days ago, is I think come the offseason, because I don't think that you can make the change in season, right? I think they reunite with Dan Quinn and try to strike, uh, catch lightning in the bottle twice. Do I think that that's going to be end-all, fix-all? No. Because I really, I really think that he had one of the best secondary groups to ever play the game in LOB. But I see that as a no-brainer for the Seahawks come this offseason and then just get talent, just continue to bolster up that defense. Now, I'm, oh, did you have something, Tommy? Sorry. Well, I, was, I was just going to tag back to something where you said with the Diggs acquisition with how huge that was. Was last year, if you look at that Buffalo team, it's John Brown and Cole Beasley, and neither of those guys are going to be your true number one. But John Brown as a two makes me very nervous. Like on defense, if I got to coach against that, where I got to put my focus on one guy, but I know John Brown's on the other side and he could torch any corner in the NFL. And then I, I cannot stand Cole Beasley. I, he is, he is one of the biggest thorn in my sides. I've been blocked off by, uh, Twitter analysts because they've called him elite before, not elite, but put him in an elite category as people. But him underneath in that slot and John Brown on the other side, it it helps out that offense. Just Stefan Diggs, whether he's catching balls or not, he helps at that offense way more than people could ever even think to imagine. Well, I'll always have a bias against Beasley just because he used to be a Giants killer. He used he killed, to be. Oh, it drives me insane. Yeah. And, again, he's just, like, to me, Beasley will always be, like, that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type where you need a big third down or something. He's there. He's your security blanket type of guy. But, yeah, I, I think that they s- sneakily do have a very good wide receiving core. And Diggs, man, has really stepped up for that Bills offense. Now, we we're a little we're pretty surprised by the Seahawks defense and how bad they are. Two teams that at least I'm surprised about, two five and three teams are the Raiders and Dolphins. Now both have gotten to this point through different paths. 
you know, the Dolphins just named Tua their starter a couple games ago. He balled out against the Arizona Cardinals. The Raiders are, you know, the Raiders are funny to me. I just, for for this year and the past couple of seasons, I've always thought that they were kind of in NFL purgatory where they never really took that step, but they weren't necessarily a bad team. Like, I just never really understood the Raiders' path exactly, whether Carr was their guy or not. Max, who are you more surprised to find themselves at five and three and in the mix for the playoffs at this point? Oh, it's got to be the Dolphins. Uh, I did not think that'd be, and they got pretty legit defense. Uh, You know, Tua looked good. It's only one game, but he definitely showed that, you know, he has flashes of being good. They got a really good head coach. I think the Raiders' issue is their defense is terrible. And I just yeah. don't trust. I'm, I, I, I'd rather pick uh, Dolphins defense over them, really. And I'm not really a big car guy, but he has looked a lot better this year. So, yeah, I'm going with the Dolphins. Yep, Tommy, what about you? I mean, I, I'm, I'm more in on the, uh, the Raiders. I think the Dolphins right now kind of have an identity issue with the switch from uh, Fitzpatrick to Tua, which I 100% think they needed to make. But like what Max said, their defense is so bad, and I think Gruden knows that. That's why Josh Jacobs gets 30 touches a game. They want to control the clock. They want to control the ball. And the the Raiders' biggest problem for me personally is the fact that they drafted Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs' speed demon over the top is is beautiful. But you got to get him a quarterback who can get him the ball. That's not Derek Carr. That's why Nelson Aguilar is doing great because he's just going to catch red zone passes and do his thing. And they have the perfect game formula where they know, all right, our defense, if the longer they're on the field, the worse we are. So we need to control the clock. We need to control the ball. Darren Walden, we're going to feed him on these little five-yard, 10-yard ten, ten hitch routes, maybe take a shot or two over the top. But it's I, – I, I love the Dolphins' defense. I think Brian Flores is coaching out of his mind. A, a lot of respect needs to go to him as well, the fact that – they made a lot of great offseason acquisitions. They had cap space. They had a lot of draft picks. I mean, shit, they got another top 10 draft pick coming in regardless from the Titans so far this year. So, you know, they're only going to get better. Or from the Texans, I mean. So they're only going to get better. But at this stage, I, I would, I'd rather be in the Raiders' shoes than the Dolphins' shoes, which I think the Dolphins probably more talented. I just don't know offensively where they're going. So I was very encouraged by Tua's performance against the Cardinals. Now, again, I'm not I'm not ready to say that he's their long-term fix at quarterback. Obviously, only two games in, right? But he showed poise when they were down in the fourth quarter by a touchdown to lead the Dolphins to a game-tying drive and then lead them to the go-ahead and essentially game-winning field goal. But, you know, if you had asked me if Derek Carr would finish a season as the starter for the Raiders, I would have said no. Because I thought the Marcus Mariota signing was almost the final chapter of Derek Carr's time with the Raiders. Because I, I'm still not convinced that Gruden is completely in love with him as his quarterback and I've said this multiple times now again let's see if a playoff appearance changes that but 
I don't know. Gruden is obviously. Do you guys remember the Gruden? Not fantasy camp, but it was like Gruden's quarterback camp. QB camp, baby. QB oh, camp. I, yes. I love them. Yeah, and he just always, to me, wanted to pick his guy coming in with the Raiders. And so that's why – that's my sense as to why I don't think that there's full support behind Derek Carr. But who knows? Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I just thought that Mariota signing was inching that much closer towards it. But, yeah, listen, I love Josh Jacobs. I love Waller. I think that he's a top five tight end in this league. I love some of their defensive pieces. Again, I know more about this team because I watched that hard knocks more so than I have for other teams. But I really love where the Dolphins are at because I like their head coach a little bit more. Not to take anything away from Gruden, but I think that – Flores has done a great job in his first couple of years with Miami. I think that a couple of their offseason acquisitions have really bolstered that defense, have improved that defense. And I think that they have a young quarterback that has a bright future. But let's move on and let's go to a team, the last remaining team in the league, and that uh, last remaining undefeated team in the league, excuse me, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They improved to 8-0 after a victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Now, that was a nail-biter. That came down to the final play of the game, actually, and they won it. But, Max, let me ask you, when do you think their first loss will take place? Uh, I think it's going to be Week 12 against the Ravens. Okay, that that was actually a game that I had uh, marked on my schedule. What about you, Tommy? Honestly, uh, I don't I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I'm not 100 percent sure. But it's I think it's gonna come later in the season, like week 14, 16. Not really opponent opponent based. Tommy, just I got because, the schedule for you. Well, let me, real quick though, just opponent based. They're they're playing. They're gonna be playing 13 straight games going into the playoffs because they had such an early season bye with the COVID stuff, but. I, oh, I got it right here. Uh, I mean, maybe it's honestly that a team I think that would be is probably week sixteen, maybe the Colts. Or I think they I, just the way that that roster's built, I think that they could stand a toe to toe punch with the Colts just because their Colts defense is really good. That roster, top to bottom, besides Philip Rivers, is really good. No Buffalo. I do like Buffalo, but I th- I think they. The way Buffalo's defense is playing right now, I, th- I think they'll be able to figure out ways to kind of cut through it. I'll throw in another one, a sneaky one, a divisional game, but I've I liked how their offense has played this year, right? And I understand how good the Steelers' defense, but I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if the Bengals were able to pull off an upset. Really. I like that pick. Really. And they have them this week, and I really... Listen, I think the offensive rookie of the year is neck and neck, but Joe Burrow has really shocked me with how well he's played. Now, again, if I was betting on it, I do think the team with the best chance is the Ravens in a couple of weeks. But I wouldn't be surprised with either of these losses, in all honesty. I wouldn't be surprised with the Bengals. And then the Colts, again, the Colts didn't exactly look great against the Ravens, 
But they're another team that I wouldn't be shocked if they were able to pull off the victory against the Steelers. I I also think that the Steelers, with how great that they are playing, that if they get home field, I think that they will be upset in the divisional round if they go against a hot team. There's just something. I'm, I'm not saying that the Steelers don't have a great team. I'm not saying that their defense isn't legit, even with some injuries. I'm not saying that they don't have offensive weapons across the board. But I just, right now, I still can't say that they're a Super Bowl team to me. There's just something about them that I'm not crazy about. And I, it's definitely not the head coach because I love Mike Tomlin. I think that he's, you know, if uh, I, I'll still give it the I'll still give it to Bill. Then I think Mike Tomlin is number two for me. I mean, I yet have a losing season. I love that defense. Like, so I, I legitimately think that that defense can shut down anybody who lines up across from them. Well, here's it's just th- if Big Ben can keep up with what their defense is doing. Well, here's the thing. The Steelers have a knack for finding receivers, right? And doing a great job of getting the most out of each receiver's skill set. But they're also really good at finding linebackers, man. Like, you know, even with Devin Bush out, they have guys stepping up and taking his place and still have a formidable, solid defense. Like, it, it's nuts to me. You know what's crazy is uh, another set, just because I was golfing with uh, a Steelers fan, actually, this past Saturday, and we were talking about, you know, uh, NFL bets that we were looking to make and uh, stuff like that. And Steelers, either it was either since Mike Tomlin's been there or Big Ben's been there. I don't remember the exact what the stat that the guy gave me. But... Uh, Shout out Jaden Predator helped me back off this bet. Appreciate that. But he, uh, the Steelers, whenever they've been a double digit favorite, like I said, I can't remember if it was since Tomlin's taken over or Big Ben. It sounds, now that I'm thinking about it, since 2004, it must be since Big Ben was there. But every time they've been a double digit favorite in a game, outright, without the spread, they're only five and four overall. So it's not surprising to me that that Dallas game was like a, a gamble struggle game where they do struggle like when they are big favorites. Like it, maybe it gets in the head of the locker room. I don't know what it is, but it's not like a, a weird phenomenon that happens with that Steelers team. Hmm. Wow. That well, is now, actually now they would be six and four outright after the Cowboys that, since they beat the Cowboys, but they definitely didn't cover. No, they didn't cover the spread. It was like 13 and a half, I think. Yeah, it got it would it got pretty outrageous. Yeah. But, but let's let's move on, Tommy. And this is a very big week for us because the New York football giants <laughs> are playing for first place this Sunday. Can you believe it? Their critical matchup. Game two against the Philadelphia Eagles. Tommy, only in 2020 can our football team be 2-7 and seven and be playing for the division. It sounds poetic to me, actually, the way this year has gone. I, I, I can live with it. And 
I'm 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 all in. I really am. I am I am a hundred percent all in with you. I I I don't care about where we draft or how anything else shapes out. I want to see some wins from it's, this team. It's so I, sad, but like they have been in every single game this season except for one, and that was against the 49ers. Yeah. I I said last week in the final eight games, there's no reason why they can't finish the year six and two. Okay, because if they play like they did against the Buccaneers, if they play like they did against the Rams, they're better than a lot of the teams on their schedule. And I am so in love with Joe Judge. I really am. I think he is the guy moving forward. I like how the offensive line is starting to come together. I think Shane Lemieux has to stay at guard. I you know, I like what I saw from Austin Mack. I'm wondering why it took them this long to get him onto the field. The defense has been playing better. I'm all in on this football team. You know what's crazy is you can make a legitimate argument that maybe, I mean, this is going to sound like Giants bias, and I, if, if someone wants to call me out for that, I'll accept it because it kind of is. You can legitimately make an argument that this team could be 6-3 and three or 5-4. and four. Agreed. Agreed. Week one, week one, I'll give you the loss to the Steelers. They were playing a great football game. Offense looked terrible. Defense got tired at the end. At halftime, that was a game. The Bears, they should have and could have beat the Bears. Came back late. Definitely. A, a Definitely. weird no call at the end zone. Couldn't win either way. You take what it is. They got spanked by the 49ers. That's a loss. That's fine. Spanked by the Rams. That's no, no, they didn't get spanked by the Rams. They actually—I want to say spanked, but I—I I will take that. I will take that as a confident loss, though. Okay, I'll... like even or I mean even if, even if at that point if we want to make it that flip, then we could say this team could be seven and two. Which hey, I'm all in on. Yeah, I'm all yeah. in. Yeah. Cowboys, they should have beaten. Should have been, yeah. Washington, they did beat. The Eagles, they should have beaten. Should have been. The Buccaneers, yeah. they should have beaten. And again, they just beat Washington again this week. Yep. And you can make a legitimate argument that this team could be between seven and two and five and four. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. It, 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 I mean, well, this is this is a thing that always happens in my fantasy football league. Like, oh, if, if my player didn't get hurt, blah blah blah. The 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 quote is, you know, if the queen had balls, she'd be king. What <laughs> a game in sports. But you can this team. That's are they a good football team? Not really, but I I will not accept the fact that this is a bad football team, regardless of what their their record is. They're progressing, and they're better. They're a better team than the Philadelphia Eagles. They're a better team than the other teams in the NFC East. A hundred percent. Yeah, Max, are you on the Giants train as well? Um, I mean, I don't know. The only thing I, I Tommy told me that little shindig before, but. Not that I'm just gonna start something, but I—I I mean, I don't think you can say you guys are gonna beat the Bucks. You're gonna tell me they shouldn't have won that game? No, because he threw that. He should have. I mean, if you make that argument, then what's his name? Levante David dropped that pick, and then that's ball game. All right, that's valid. Uh, no, I'm but not... then Evan Ingram drops uh, the game. All right, then on the same token, though, with that logic, Evan Ingram drops the first down touch, the first down pass that ices off the clock. Yeah, but I mean, see how that game plays, though. I, and that's why I said you can't play the what if game in sports because it didn't happen. You know, any you can look at any situation in your entire yeah. life and say what if. So I'm not. I'm just saying you. The argument is there. 
Yeah, I just think for the Bucks one, I, I hear you for the other ones. Just the Bucks one, I, I think I'm good on that. The the, the Bucks one, <laughs> the Bucks on one, the Bucks one. I'll 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 say that they they blew an opportunity. I'm not so sure because anytime when it's a touchdown and then a two pointer, like uh, here's the thing: even if they got that two pointer, right? There's no there. There's some doubt in my mind that they would have stopped Tom Brady from driving down the field and just putting the game away in overtime. Yeah, and not getting the ball back type of thing. But, yeah, so I'm very excited for this Sunday's matchup. I really do think that they will beat the Eagles for the first time in a couple of years. I, I, they have to, man. They have to. I'm sick and tired of losing to Philly and Dallas. You know what it is, though, Victor, for me personally so far this year, no matter how the season ends up or what happens, is something that I, I personally, you can, you can agree or disagree with me on this, and I'll take it, but – I haven't seen like fight and drive and want from the Giants since 2016. They just look like a team that goes out there. Oh yeah, we're probably gonna. This lose. year, well, I think I'm, it's I'm different. Gonna the, I'm, I'm gonna correct the paycheck. This year, this team playing like no, like they they go in with the mindset like no, we're gonna we're expected to win this game and we're gonna play our asses off. Agreed. Sure Agreed. Agreed. And I feel like I haven't had that feeling in a from the Giants since, like I said, 2016. Oh, great. No, I, I, I truly agree with you on that one. I, Joe, I get Joe it. Judge has them play a different style of football yep. that I love. Yep, and I think another great hiring was Patrick Graham because this defense should not be as good as it is. And again, it has its lapses, don't get me wrong, but with the talent that's on this defense, I think that he's making the most of it, and I think that for more times than not, the schemes have been well thought out and well run. All right. Now let's take a recap of the first half of the season. I know we're a little past the midway point, but let's review. All right. Guys, so far through this NFL year, who is your midseason MVP? Tommy, I'll start with you. I mean, regardless of record, I think it's got to go to Russell Wilson. You guys playing out of his mind. Uh they're, they're putting him in a position where he he has to play out of his mind, which sucks. And I, I meant to say this earlier about the Bills game. The throw he made when he was avoiding the sack off his back foot where he's just like, all right, I, maybe he was trying to throw it away. I really don't oh, know. Oh, dude, where, where to, to I Tyler think it was Lockett. Lockett yeah, zone. holy yeah, that crap. that throw, if that got completed, that would have been ESPN's highlight for the next six months. Yep, yeah. Number one. But the way Russell Wilson's playing, I – you can't you can't take it away from the guy. I, th- I think, and I know that's the easy pick, but it is the pick. Max, what about you? Who's your uh, midway MVP? Yeah, I feel like it's 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 got to be Wilson. So I, I can't really give you an argument for anybody else. Maybe oh. Holmes, maybe. But all right. Well, here's the thing. MVP, right? You know, my feeling: most valuable player should be the most valuable player to their team. I'm still going with Wilson because you know, like many other things, I was right and called it preseason. I think that Mahomes will definitely garner the attention and get some of the votes just because people confuse it with best player award. I don't think Lamar Jackson is in the running this year. And who else? I think... I mean, Victor, off your boy, if we got to throw another name out there, your man's Aaron Rodgers. I was just about to say. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you were going there, so I wanted to beat you to it. Yep. But... that, with the exception of the Bucks loss, he, he's having a really good football year. No, he is. He, he's having he, a good football year. He is. He is. And, 
Well, I want to throw another name out to you guys. Even though he missed a week, and this normally goes to a quarterback or a couple. <laughs> yeah, missed a week, week and a half. What about Dalvin Cook? You know, the only thing I'll say, which by the way, we he needs to get more attention for being probably the best running back in the league. I, I understand right now it's probably Derrick Henry, but Dalvin Cook, man. The only thing is, the only thing is, Tommy, they would have to turn around their season, the Vikings would, for him to get more attention for that award. You, you, you I mean, you're saying that, but, and they put themselves in bad positions, especially earlier in the year, but he's averaging six yards a carry and has 12 touchdowns already on the season. Agreed. Agreed. Don't, uh, listen, I think that, Offensive player of the year, you can make an argument. Most valuable player, I, I think there. I think that there needs to be more wins than what they have right now. Okay, I agree with that. I think they need to be a playoff team. But I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw a dark house, a dark horse out there, just because he missed last year, and you saw the quarterback play that they got with him gone. Now again, I think their defense is. The main reason, along with their offensive weapons, Ben Roethlisberger. I don't. I don't think his numbers are. He's playing well, and I'm not taking. No, he could be. He might be the leader for comeback player of the year. Agreed. I. I think that he is probably the runaway at this point. But I, I just. I again, I'm not saying that I agree with it. Right. I'm just saying that I wouldn't be shocked if he got some votes for the award has he ever won mvp no yeah but there's a, like it's crazy to me how russell wilson has never won mvp he's never gotten a vote that's just insane that's to me. that's just absurd that and is I, disrespectful I hate, media. I hate how like how much of a quarterback award it is too because if you go back and look and, and this is like kind of nitpicky but when Brady won his last MVP, what was that? Uh, 2017. Oh yeah, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's numbers that year were off the charts, off the charts. It was insane. And I, I personally, if I could go back, if I had a vote, it's 100% going to Todd Gurley. But th- this really is at the end of the day, unless some running back just literally sets every record. It's, it's just a quarterback award. It is. Yeah. It, it really is. It really it's is. A, it's very annoying, to be honest with you. Yeah. It is. It's very. I agree. It is very annoying. You know, and I hate like to even s- Michael Thomas's year last year. Like he could. Yeah, he you could have made. You could have made the argument. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Well, it's just whoever the best quarterback that year is. It's like, oh yeah, not that like Russ isn't, not that Wilson doesn't deserve this year, but just years past, just whoever best quarterback is, and that's the guy. It's like, well, then why do you call it just the best quarterback of the league then? It's not MVP. Exactly, and you know what it is too is I know Lamar does so much with his feet on top of it. So like last year, him winning the MVP that has a lot to do. But last year, they threw the ball least out of any other team in the entire NFL, and that man ran away with MVP. Like it really wasn't even close. So my biggest thing with Ben Roethlisberger, just to go back on that real quick, sorry, is again I'm not saying that he is the best numbers. I'm just saying impact of the team. So that's why I would throw him in there. And two names that I'm kind of forgetting on purpose that also are probably in the discussion are Tannehill and Josh Allen. But like you guys said, it's a quarterback driven. 
you could have made the case last year Derrick Henry should have been an MVP finalist as well. Oh, yeah. So do you guys listen to Fantasy Footballers podcast at all? I do not. I'm not a big fantasy guy, honestly. So I know Max isn't either, so yeah, I, I know his answer. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> they they call they Derrick Henry the Yeti. They go, once it starts getting cold out is when somehow Derrick Henry always just turns it on. It's literally every year. If you go back and look yeah. at his stats, besides this year, he's had a great year all year. But, like, if you go back and look, the first, like, six, seven weeks of the year when it's warm out, uh, the Yetis don't like the warm, so his games are very average. But then the switch just flips, and he takes it to another atmosphere. Because who Wait. wants to tackle that man in the freezing cold? Yeah, I know. exactly. No, that's literally Probably what it is. Like he, he is. He is a perfect playoff running back too. Like that's like we saw oh, last yeah. year. Yeah. All right, let's keep this moving because we're coming up on the two-hour mark. All right, biggest surprise thus far, Max, team-wise, who is it? Uh, I, I know you're gonna be mad, but I'm not gonna do team. I'm gonna do players. Okay. I'm gonna do the two rookies, Herbert and Burrow. Okay. Without having any like a real training camp preseason and the way they look, I think that I think they look fantastic. That, I'm very surprised how good they look. That is a great point. All right, Tommy, who uh, you can do team or or player. That's fine. I don't care. Can I actually? Uh, can I do biggest disappointment? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Is I know they're six and two, but man, I I have been really disappointed with this Baltimore team. I thought they were could have ran away. Like I I know I said the Steelers were my Super Bowl pick just because I didn't want to pick. KC, but I thought Baltimore was going to run away with that division. And just the way that offense looks, because their defense is so good. They're so fast. They get to everywhere. But how how much their offense stalls on a week-to-week basis. Like, the first half this week against the Colts, they got killed. But I I, I really expected more from Baltimore so far this year. And, again, they're 6-2, and two, but I, I, I wanted more from them. I am so glad you brought up Baltimore because I've been meaning to – say this did you guys see lamar jackson call out his offensive coordinator today yeah okay who the hell does lamar jackson think he is first off for a franchise quarterback to do that on a radio show i mean or what was it television i I forget what it was but to publicly call out your offensive coordinator that is such a joke. And how about Lamar? If you could throw a fucking ball, maybe it would open up the playbook. The man is so inconsistent when it comes to passing the ball. It makes his team one-dimensional. Who the hell is he? And I understand Ben Roethlisberger and Todd Hay. I get that, right? At least Ben Roethlisberger had a couple of rings under his belt before he started to publicly call out his offense coordinator one of his coaches who the hell is lamar jackson when he's not exactly having a lamar jackson type year when he's not having a season similar to last year who the hell does he think he is how about you worry about being accurate with your passes how about you actually worry about being a quarterback before you start blaming others for your lack of success or your offensive struggles I agree with you 100%, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate. He can say I was last year's MVP. Like, just the way he says it, he's like, yeah, I was last year's MVP, and now they're not playing. I should be successful. I agree with you. I don't think he holds any bases because he's played terribly. Well, I should – again, they're 6-2. He hasn't played terribly. 
But from last year's MVP to now, he hasn't looked great. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, all right, when... See, now you guys got me confused who I should go with. Because honestly, biggest surprise, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I'll, I'll eat my words. Josh Allen and Tannehill actually showing up this year, very surprising to me. I thought that they were, I thought Tannehill was a one-hit wonder that, again, I, you know, thought was carried by his running game. And I still don't think that he'll have playoff success. But he's putting up better numbers than a game manager would, okay? And same thing with Josh Allen. He continues to win games for his football team. When it comes to biggest disappointments, I mean, obviously the NFC East is too easy of a target, okay? Other ones, you know, the Browns, I guess, again. Again, it just seems like I, I sound like a broken record when I say I'll go, I'll go my biggest disappointment. And again, I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but I was so high on the guy that I feel like I'm a little disappointed is the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. Again, he lost his number one go-to guy. I just thought that Watson was so good. And maybe it was asking too much of him that he could still carry the team. But I'm sorry, with that porous offensive line, you know, Will Fuller being his number one, very disappointing from the Texans. But again, I think they... Oh, I'm they, so happy you just said that. Why? I, I, go ahead, Max. I'll let Max... So I know he, he's chomping at the bit to say something. Go ahead, Max. I mean, both of you guys are shitting on both my quarterbacks, so I'm not really... <laughs> But, no, I mean, when it comes to Watson, you know, a million-dollar man, when he subs in pig shit, guess what? He's got shit on him. That's what happens with Watson. That team's ass. The offensive line's yeah. terrible. Yeah, and you know what? He, he gets a squeaker win against Jacksonville, and he's brushing off his jersey, showboating as he's buried I mean, up by a touchdown. I'm glad he said that. That man is so good to be doing that. I'm glad you said that. Literally, any third-string, fourth-string player in the league gets, does anything, they act like they did something. So you, I, I saw they have you. Zero, they have they have zero reasonability to be on the field. Every player does that when they get a first down. So you just single out the watching. It's just I don't know. I, I know you don't like him, but good God. No, I, 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 love mad about. I love Watson. No, no, not you. I'm talking to Tommy. Oh, oh, oh. Watson is a top five, top ten, top five talent. Honestly, like we we had this conversation last time I was on. If we can name quarterbacks, who I'd rather have over them, but. I just Wait, so I'm confused. The, the guy, the guy is so content with, oh, I, I, I'm getting my ass kicked in a playoff game, and I get a first down late in the fourth. Oh, oh, okay, show, okay, I okay. Get, I get a first, a rushing first down against Jacksonville, who I, I could have arguably lost to. Jake Luton almost out quarterback played me. Yeah. But now nah, I'm gonna act like I'm the best player on this field. <laughs> yep. No, I mean every you player hand, does. You handle that down. win and you take it to them. That's how you do that. You do that stuff when you play the Colts. You do that stuff when you play the Titans, your individual rivals that are actually competitive, not the team that's tanking for Trevor and praying to God that the Jets win two games. I mean, every player does that on the team. Uh, uh, they just do. Sorry. I know you don't like I them, but the they do. the same thing about Zeke when he does the feed me sign when they're down. By I, the I agree. I agree. And also, you know who also pissed me off too and is another big disappointment with Nasserus because they were hit by COVID? Cam Noon used to piss me off with how much he did that. When he yeah, was but they, that team was at least winning and very successful. This Titans team. No, but there were times I, I, I. No fun league. I, that's what you guys are. No, no fun that's league. not what I said. That is not I'm what not I said. Not the fun when that the team is, is good. Yeah, agreed. I'm saying now, that when the team, it's the same thing with who is it? The Eagles when they were down by eleven last year, they got a they strip sacked the quarterback 
and then they ran to the end zone for that little picture thing. Cool. You guys are still down by two well, possessions. All right. Well, they get your ass back to the sideline and get ready to make another stop. Well, okay. when you're winning, absolutely rub it in their face, showboat, do whatever you want to do. When you're a losing team or losing in the game, I don't want to see none of that. All right. Well, unless, I guess unless it's a close, tight, competitive game that's going to change the actual outcome. Not when you're up by down by double digits. All right. Well, I gotta I gotta throw my two cents in. I think that after every single turnover, you don't have to run to the fucking end zone and take a squad pick, okay? If it's a turnover return for a touchdown, by all means, I get it. If it's a turnover to clinch the game, okay, I get that. Not every single turnover is worthy of a squad pick with everyone running into the end zone. I'm sorry. It's, it's just not. Again, Victor, I guess you're on the same page. I guess, I guess we're the old men. Yep, that's fine. That's fine. Can you guys be mad at your teams for causing the turnovers for them doing that? Shut up. Yes, hundred percent. No, you're no. He's he's right. You shouldn't. I'm be just saying. Your own team. Don't give them don't a chance to celebrate. Again, because you're they right. got a turnover. You be you should be more pissed at your team, dude. I'm just you know saying. I hate it. I hate when I see it when a team is getting their ass kicked or when they're beating up on a team that Agreed. they should be blowing out. Agreed. 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 All right, and finally, fellas, we we touched upon our Super Bowl picks. A little before my preseason was Seahawks versus Chiefs with the Seahawks coming out on top. While that defense terrifies me to no end, I'm going to be a man of my word and stick with my pick. I wouldn't be terribly surprised, though, if the Seahawks do not make it or lose to the Chiefs. But, Tommy, are you changing your Super Bowl pick? Yeah, I, I am. I had Seahawks. I had Seahawks, Steelers, mostly because... Like I said, I the easy pick is to take the Chiefs, and that's why I didn't want to take them. But I really like the Packers roster, and with Alan Lazard coming back, it's going to be a big help. Uh, so I'm going to take Packers, Chiefs. I'm going to stay with the Steelers. No, I'm, I'm not taking the Chiefs. Packers, Steelers, uh, Rodgers gets his second ring. Okay. And Max, what about you? Nope. And I'm saying what I said. Who, who did you say again? You said the... I said the Chiefs, Chiefs and the uh, Saints. Chiefs over the Saints, correct? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, fellas, thank you very much for a very entertaining episode. Tommy, thank you once again for joining us. I thought. Thanks again for having me, man. It's yeah. always a pleasure. Of I love course. I love coming out and talking with you guys. Of course. And Tommy, do you want to let everyone know about your Twitter handle one more time? Yeah, it's uh, at tmaney. 14 uh m-e-a-n-e-y like i mean i'm private just because i used to be a substitute teacher in high school and i didn't want the kids stalking me so uh <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made sure i'm private not, now that i'm in the real world i can probably go public again but uh yeah should be a, I, I follow everybody back anybody who requests me pretty much gets a file so feel free all right and max you want to give everyone your article information is a new one coming out anytime soon yeah, one came out today, and I think one's coming out tomorrow at uh, All You Can Heat. And I got two more uh, Westbrook nuggets for teams that are looking at too. Awesome. Awesome. And what's your Twitter and uh, Instagram? Uh, Max Marshall, uh, 136. All right. And at Victor Pusteri for both Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, Old School of Sport, and Twitter, Old School of Sport. Until next time, everyone, have a good one.